This is Worth Repeating for Texas Public Radio. Real stories told by your neighbors and friends and recorded live over the last couple of years in San Antonio. I'm Andrea Vocab Sanderson, San Antonio Poet Laureate. The stories in this episode were recorded in the fall of 2020, by which point pandemic life had really started wearing most of us down. The longer the crisis dragged on, the harder it was to sustain the things that gave pre-COVID life its color. Socializing, discovering new things, and even falling in love. These stories are about that last topic. We asked our listeners to tell us about the love in their lives, romantic and otherwise, during the pandemic. First, a story by Bertie Shocker who found herself surrounded by love in her hardest moments. Our church was doing everything it thought possible to mitigate the risk of COVID-19. So you can imagine my surprise when I learned that one of our Sunday team members had come down ill with COVID-19. And of course, I called everyone and gave them instructions from San Antonio Metro Health. But I remember not feeling concerned about the rest of the team. I was just worried about the team member who was sick because we had taken those precautions. And you can imagine my surprise when the next day I have this tickle down the back of my throat and I check my temperature and I have a fever. So I go to see the doctor. They diagnose me with strep throat and just did a COVID-19 test out of an abundance of caution. And then maybe you can imagine my surprise when they call me a couple days later and say, you have COVID-19. Now, knowing what I know as a registered nurse, that strep and a couple of other uh, chronic health things I have going on or potential comorbidities or things that can lead to one's demise, I just blurted into the phone, that's really scary. And the truly frightening part of it was the person on the other end of the phone did not disagree with me. So I went into a time of contemplation after I got this news and wondered what could I do with this one beautiful life of mine. I mean, I could wind up in the hospital or worse. And really, there was the answer was there wasn't much I could do other than recover and be authentic and transparent about what I was going through. And setting this intention led to this interesting journey online that initially developed out of necessity. When one is diagnosed with COVID-19, one is told to let people know that you've been in contact with to quarantine. And I was feeling concerned I might have missed someone. So I just put a post on social media to that effect. And the outpouring of love and support by this big, beautiful tribe that I had somehow managed to surround myself with throughout my lifetime, from people I knew from my childhood to my family members, co-workers, friends, and colleagues. Their support was so helpful and strengthened me. Uh, And also some interesting conversations arose from this decision of mine to be authentic. I mean, some days I felt so bad and I am still recovering. All I could post was like maybe a thumbs up emoji. 
But other days, I felt good enough to kind of respond to some of these things in a loving way that people posted that were not particularly comforting. Like I knew they were trying to let me know they loved me and support me. And of course, I understood that. However, the God of my understanding does not send me an illness to teach me a lesson or to let me know that I need to learn how to rest. <laughs> um, and there was other things that came up that I, I gently challenged. Um, it, more than one people person told me, oh, you know, I know you have COVID-19. I know it's tough, but here's the deal. We're all going to get it. And at least you'll have temporary immunity for a few months. And while I appreciated them validating my experience, the idea that um, everybody's going to get it and the idea that uh, I'm going to have temporary immunity has not been completely proven by science yet and therefore is not at all comforting to me. And the lovely thing is because this was a loving discourse, and I tried to go about this as gently as I could, is that nobody seemed upset by any feedback that I gave, you know, because we were all being vulnerable. I was posting about being scared at the middle of the night. I was posting my prayers. And time and time again, my Facebook friends supported me with their statements, with their prayers, with their concern, and with their encouragement. And I just wanted to tell you all my story because that was a really loving thing that helped me a lot. And now by telling you, I've spread that love around. In the profound isolation of pandemic life, Gregory Valdez found himself coming apart at the seams. He turned to the people closest to him, and in doing so, he learned about his relationships and himself. I'm going to start with this quote, and I'm going to end with this quote. The meaning of life is not to surround yourself with the people you love, the things you love. The meaning of life is found when you surround yourself with the people who love you. You know who said that? Iggy Pop. And I love it. And spoiler alert, this is not a love story. It's about what Iggy said. My name is Gregory Valdez. I'm 29. I'm a Virgo, whatever that means. I'm a content strategist and writer for an ad agency in San Antonio. I'm bisexual and I'm a recovered addict. I think those are the things you need to know today to dimensionalize me a little bit more. Funny enough, I was a worth repeating speaker two years ago and yeah, that might have had something to do with the relationship too. Anyways, here we are. So we got to go back seven months and seven months ago I was living in San Antonio with Bruce, my cat, in a two-story loft. I had a beautiful boyfriend here in Houston. And I was sitting in a conference in Scottsdale, Arizona, listening to a speaker scoff at how worried we should be about this pandemic. As soon as I got back from that conference, I went into quarantine. 
and didn't see anybody in person that I knew for a month and a half. I was FaceTiming everyone, Zooming everyone. I got an iPad just to like really like be able to like see my boyfriend better and like feel like, right, this more screens, more windows, more viewpoints so that we can break this barrier of distance and not being able to touch each other. I was doing it more than ever with everyone that I could, but it started to sneak up on me. It started to become too much. It felt like I was sitting on a deserted island with all the amenities I really needed and wanted internet, video game, just work eight hours a day and you could do whatever you want. All right, sweet. But then that loneliness got me. And I've experienced loneliness before and I've dealt with my loneliness in different ways and there are ways that I swore and have tried to never deal with my loneliness again. So I started to snap. And I, I called my boyfriend and I asked him if it would be so crazy if I drove to Houston, got out of my car and just even for an hour to stand across or sit across you in the driveway, wouldn't that be worth it? Is that so crazy? And he nodded yes. And it got to me. And it broke me. And I got upset. And I reacted and I overreacted. And I just thought, why? I selfishly thought, when you go to the ends of the earth for whoever you loved, no matter what. And what did I do? I took up an invitation to take a road trip to Missouri to work remotely from there for a week. And I didn't tell my boyfriend and I didn't tell my family. And I escaped. I selfishly and quietly, I even ditched Bruce with a babysitter, went to Missouri. <laughs> I broke up with my boyfriend while I was there. And when I got back, I realized I had made the biggest mistake of my life. And I spent another month in quarantine and the loneliness got deeper until my parents said, come for Mother's Day, spend a week with us. I never went back to San Antonio. I'm recording this from my childhood bedroom with a desk right there where I work every day. As a recovered addict, it also felt like I was coming home to recover too. Even though that's not what I was doing, they caught me and they accepted me and they took me in again. And my cousins and my aunts and my uncles and everybody came back and I rediscovered family. And I'm still sort of broken from the relationship in a way. But I've got something I didn't have before, okay? It's family. The meaning of life is to surround yourself with the people who love you. And for that, I'm thankful. And for that, I'm thankful that the pandemic happened. No, this was not a love story, but I promise you, I've got something I didn't have before and I have love in a new way that I didn't have before. And I know that if I can keep loving like this for the rest of my life, I can be happy. God damn it. I've still got Bruce. Not every relationship suffered during the pandemic. Against all odds and against expectations, 
Mariana Salazar's relationship thrived under lockdown. The pandemic has had quite an effect on many romantic relationships. However, it has had me on an emotional roller coaster, thankfully with a very happy ending. Um, when March came, uh, COVID-19 happened. And along with COVID-19 came my ex. He would slide in my DMs and he would be like, I have an extra hand sanitizer, I have an extra Lysol. That was so funny. And of course I fell for it. And um, there I went getting hand sanitizers. And unlike most relationships, we thrived at the beginning of the pandemic because my, our relationship had issues outside of home. So it was when we were out, when we were doing activities that the problems happened. But if we were stuck at home, we got along just fine. Um, things started opening up and other things opened up. And with that came the end of my relationship with my ex. At that point, I told myself, I'm gonna make a conscious effort to not go back to this, to not be in this cycle of going back and forth all the time. And so I did something I never thought I would do. I got on a dating app. Uh, I was on Hinge and I had it in my head that I could find the perfect guy. So I was like, I had a doctor, dark hair, colored eyes, and I found one. <laughs> and we, you know, messaged back and forth and we went on a date. And it was awful. When I mean awful, I mean just, he was rude, disrespectful, put whole milk in his coffee. I like, who still drinks whole milk? He did. And um, I ended up blocking him and I never saw him again. However, I did keep the app. And um, I will admit it, I did it because it was flattering to get likes every morning and stuff like that. But there was one guy that was so different from everyone else that I have ever dated. And he just really caught my attention because he, I think he told me something like, um, have you ever frozen your gummy worms? No, I didn't know people did that. And so we're messaging back and forth and we decide to meet up for a glass of wine, which ended up being a bottle of wine. And it was so cute. From the start, um, he stuttered a little bit. He was like playing with his like fingers and it was so charming. And he just knew so much about so many things. And I found myself completely just having word vomit because I wanted to stay on the date longer. And three hours passed and I was like, this guy is so different. And I got home and I was like, I wonder if he's going to text me. And he texted me and I was like, I had so much fun, whatever. And so we go on a second date. And on the second date, he decides to tell me that he hates bananas. And I was at that moment, I was like, oh my God, I hate bananas too. I hate the way they smell. And he's like, oh, I hate the way they taste. I hate the texture. I hate this. And I know this is weird. But hearing that, I was like, the stars are aligning for me. I found my forever guy because I have never met anyone that hates bananas with such a passion, the same way that I do. And um, since that day, um, I have not left his side. And he is just has proven me wrong with everything I thought of men. So he is kind, he is loyal, he made me his girlfriend, he uh, didn't waste time in anything, he gets me flowers. And um, 
it's weird. I never thought that in the middle of a pandemic, I would have such a beautiful, perfect love story. And I do. And um, what the lesson in this would be to really get out of your comfort zone, stop. Um, you know, I stopped looking for guys where I always looked for them. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give a dating app a chance. And I am going to go on a date with someone who's completely the opposite of me. And I am so happy that I did it because everywhere I go, everyone tells me like, you're so happy and you light up a room. And it's really because um, Jay's a 10 out of 10. He has had me amazed with what a good person he is. And I never thought this would happen to me, but it did. And yeah, um, it has been great. And I'm very, very excited to see what the, what the future holds for me. In 2019, the impossible happened. Sasha Nelson was pregnant. Her due date was March 2020. In the final story of this episode, she describes the hurdles of giving birth during a pandemic. I found out I was pregnant in July of 2019. My husband and I were thrilled and shocked at the same time. We thought I would need IVF after dealing with infertility for a long time. And it was this impossible thing, but... Suddenly it was all happening, so we were very happy and excited for that. And the months that went by, we were trying to get ready, as ready as we could be anyway. By the last month of my pregnancy, what should have been the home stretch um, was only the beginning of something else, because that was the month that the coronavirus pandemic uh, really hit in March of 2020. When I was nine months pregnant, it started out as this faraway thing that we could maybe laugh about and suddenly know it was more of a real concern and it was local and it was not contained. It was spreading and the numbers were going up and panic shopping was becoming a thing. Toilet paper shortages and all these other products were missing and hard to come by and I didn't want to be a part of the panic shopping but inevitably I had to go shopping and get my last grocery trip run before I had the baby and so there we were my husband and I at 5 a.m at HEB just to get some baby items two days before my due date so I'm ready to pop, wobbling around HEB. And I just had this moment where I had to stop and I just started crying and bawling my eyes out because I think it was just the stress and feelings of being overwhelmed with everything that just got to me with pregnancy in one hand and then the pandemic in another. It was just very heavy on me. But I kept it together because two days later was my due date and I was there to get induced and that was the day my baby was born. Um, Several hours later anyway, but I'm glad I chose to get induced because my husband was able to be there with me and support me. I did not know if I waited any longer if he would be able to be there or not since 
with the pandemic rising and the hospital kept changing their policies more strict uh, by the week as to who could be there with you or not. So he was there and we were able to really just enjoy for a time just our newborn baby and it was a wonderful time despite the fact that there was this thing going on in the outside world and very close to me because I could see it from my window at the ER down below was a tent being set up and people were walking up uh, with COVID symptoms and I could see this you know I can observe uh, while I had my newborn son in my arms and it was just a very surreal experience. And it has been this whole time to be a, a new parent in the time of the pandemic. This is parenting on hard mode, I would say. And I think that's just parenting in a nutshell is a lesson I've learned. That you really just roll with the punches and you learn to adapt and become resilient and power through like I, I I powered through my pregnancy and I I did it through that c-section and I'm doing it now as a new mom this is the year so so many people like I've heard would say you know, throw the whole year away 2020 is trash but um it's been a silver lining kind of year for me since this is the year that my baby was born and so I'll look back on this as like very tough yet beautiful kind of time. The storytellers you just heard received guidance from story coaches Kim Johnson and Ben Henry. We'll be holding live storytelling events again as soon as it's safe to do so. If you have a story to tell, or you know someone with a great story, get in touch with us at tpr.org. Worth Repeating events are produced by Paul Flav and Kim Johnson. The podcast is produced by Ben Henry. Our news director is Dan Katz. Production assistance from Rob Martinez and Kyle Perez. Bobby Saluche is TPR's Vice President of Marketing and Communications. Joyce Slocum is TPR's President and CEO. That's the end of Season 1 for Worth Repeating's podcast. Stay tuned for future seasons. Again, I'm Andrea Vocap sanderson your San Antonio Poet Laureate, and it's been a pleasure hosting Worth Repeating here at Texas Public Radio.